Hi, the Black Talk Media Project would like to invite you to become a member of the BTR Community subscription-based social media platform. BTR Community is a platform that was set up for the listening audience of Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black radio network online. For just $24 per year, your subscription gives you access to an interactive space to share information with like-minded people with your privacy guaranteed. Your subscription will go a long way to help us maintain and improve our current media platforms. It will also help provide a budget so that we can begin the task of establishing localized media centers and radio stations across the United States. The best way to show your support and appreciation for what we do here at Black Talk Radio is to subscribe. Help us to help you be informed. Join btrcommunity.com today. The views and opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. Welcome to Black Talk Radio News. My name is Scotty Reed. I'm broadcasting from behind the enemy lines of USA Inc. I do want to quickly uh, issue some apologies. I was having some technical issues with stopping our auto DJ that serves up media to you when we are not on air live. So that's what the delay was. I just had to shut down auto DJ altogether just so I could, um, you know, begin my live stream. So today is August the 16th, 2018. It is a Thursday afternoon. I am so glad that you could join me for this broadcast of BTR News. Lots to talk about uh, today. Uh, it's basically an open forum, although I have uh, put a lot of news stories in my thread for today's or this evening's program, which can be found at btrcommunity.com, btrcommunity.com, a safe and secure social media platform that we have set up for those that that is important to, because we don't sell your email addresses, we don't make you use your real name you can use the website in complete anonymity all right we are not trying to help the u.s government intelligence agencies or the police to identify you okay nor are we trying to allow your employers to know what you got to say about whatever uh, when you're engaging in social media. These are things we have to be cognizant of when we use social media. I'm not telling anybody not to be on any platform because Black Talk Radio Network is on a lot of different platforms 
uh, for business purposes because we are engaged in a propaganda media operation and we need to reach as many people as possible. But as individuals, it's important that we know the risk involved on certain sites that make us use our real names and ask for photos and things of that nature. So btrcommunity.com. So again, it'll be pretty much an open forum. If you like to comment on any of the articles that I will be sharing with you today, the number one article that I want to share with you is I'm going to continue the conversation that I've been having about so-called progressives. They claim they progressives, but yet they want to advocate for white nationalists, white supremacists, neo-Nazis, and the like to be able to use social media to spread their white supremacist ideology. And as I posted to social media today, hate speech proceeds hate crimes, all right? All I have to do is point to Dylan Roof, the the terrorist, the white terrorist murderer who went into Emmanuel Church in South Carolina and murdered those people. He was radicalized by white supremacist ideology online. So speech has consequences. And like Malcolm said, media is the most powerful entity on the face of the planet because it controls the minds of the masses. So I wrote for the uh, post, the headline for today's post is Alex Jones. Alex Jones in the news again. Apparently, his flagship station that uh, he syndicates his nationally heard radio program, terrestrial radio. I'm not talking about internet radio, which you're listening to right now, but I'm talking about FM or AM radio. And there was apparently his flagship station, which he don't own. They just distribute his content. Um, They got shut down by the FCC for operating without a license and fine $15,000. So I want to get into that. Plus, I had a question posed to me. They wanted me to talk more about Kaplinsky versus, I think it was New Hampshire, the Supreme Court Court case on fighting words. Um, And so I want to address that as well, uh, which is related, you know, to what I want to talk about. But there's other news items as well that I shared in my news thread, uh, some of the stuff that caught my eye for today. So if you have a question or a comment on any of the subject matter that we're discussing on BTR News this evening, give us a call at 704-802-5056. That's 704-802-5056. 5056 hit star star that will notify me that you have a question and as soon as I notice that I will come to you as soon as possible but please watch your background noise try to be you know make sure it's quiet and what have you I understand sometimes we're on the road or we're out in public and we can't control that so you know I'm not going to fault you for that but you know just try to be in a quiet place when you call in. All right. So first thing that I want to do. Oh, yeah. By the way, continue to do support independent media, period, but especially independent black media. 
Speaking of terrestrial radio stations, one of the reasons, not the sole reason, but one of the reasons that I decided to create the nonprofit Black Talk Media Project was because I was reading about radio stations that that cater to black people. Well, let me say not cater to black people. We got plenty of those. Um, and I shouldn't even use the word cater. I should say target. Um, we have plenty of radio stations owned by these big radio corporations like Clear Channel, which is now iHeartRadio, um, who, who are responsible for the killer radio that is targeting the black community. Killer radio is a term I picked up from Clear the Airways Project to describe the type of programming that goes out over those airways. But I started Black Talk Media Project in part because independently on FCC licensed terrestrial radio stations were being shut down. And, you know, as I've done programs on this and written about it, we can trace the decline back to the 1996 Telecommunications Act, which uh, created a unlevel playing field for interrestrial radio that pretty much put black radio stations out of business. Again, I'm talking about independent black radio. I'm not talking about just black people on the radio who are targeting you with whatever they're targeting you with, but the owners of that station aren't black. I'm not, I'm talking about independently owned black radio, which was crucial during the civil rights movement and the black power movement. So that that's why. So please continue to support us. Those who have uh, made recent donations they are very much appreciated and you can go to blacktalkradionetwork.com you'll see you know the links and what have you that will allow you to donate you can donate one time or you can set up a monthly subscription through PayPal any amount will help us maintain our media operations but more importantly um, in our media operations allow us to remain independent because if if we can't be independent and if we are not in control of of our stations, ain't no sense even having it, is it? It not in, in my opinion, it's not it's not worth having. If somebody else, you know, is uh controlling what I can talk about and what I cannot talk about. All right. So just wanted to get that out there. All right. Aretha Franklin. Aretha Franklin. Uh, has been trending all day on social media today. She is a, one of the all-time favorite artists of mine. Um, I was born in 66, and I was exposed to the, a lot of music as a, as a youngin', as a youngster and what have you. My stepdad used to be a DJ at that time. I think he still has that equipment. Wonder if I can get it up off of him, right? But uh, yeah, I grew up in the era when Motown was booming. I was living in Detroit at that time, and uh, Rita Franklin, beautiful, beautiful woman, beautiful voice, and she passed away at the age of I think seventy-two. Um, surrounded by families and friends, apparently she was battling some sort of illness so Aretha Franklin has transitioned and I do have a story I want to share 
about her before we get into, you know, the social political news. But before I even share that, because she was more than just a music artist, you know, a lot of times celebrities and sometimes it's warranted, but a lot of times celebrities get a bad name or I should say entertainers. They get a bad name and their contribution to society is minimized. But many of these artists work goes beyond the music industry and they get into real world social, economic, political issues. And Aretha Franklin was one of those people which I did not know till today. And it's not surprising that I did not know because a lot of information, again, when you're not in control of your images, when you're not in control of your stories, then that person who is in control of the media, the mass media uh, apparatus, they can paint a picture of you that is one dimensional and ignores a lot of the things that that person may have been engaged in that is beneficial not only to humanity, but beneficial, you know, specifically to their community. So we do want to salute Aretha Franklin and we want to play one of my favorite Aretha Franklin songs that that I remember. I used to know the words by heart. I probably, you know, they'll come to me if I start singing it. But I'm not going to let y'all hear me sing Aretha Franklin's Until You Come Back to Me. That's what I'm going to do. One of my all-time Aretha Franklin songs. But in tribute to her, we're going to play that right now.
that was the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin, Until You Come Back to Me. One of my all-time favorites um, throughout the rest of the broadcast. If you have a Aretha Franklin favorite, uh, let us know. Give us a call at 704-802-5056. We may get it on air, play some of it on air over uh, the next couple of hours. All right. Um, also, I, I need to keep putting this information out. Uh, Tando Radio Show, which normally came for the past, what, two years, came on during this 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern time slot. Uh, he has moved to a morning time slot, which is, you know, that's good for the station because we didn't have any live programming in the morning. So he now airs. He started his new schedule this morning. Excellent program this morning. I was of course, I was there. I have to engineer the program for him. Um, but we had a very, very, very uh, interesting conversation. Had a couple of callers call in and what have you. So that podcast is posted. Check it out later. Um, but Tando Radio Show's new schedule is Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, which would be, no, excuse me, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 10 p.m. Central and 8 o'clock uh, Pacific. All right, so that's the new Tando Radio Show live programming schedule. Now, um, I mentioned that I had not known that Aretha Franklin was a big supporter of the Civil Rights Movement. That's not surprising to me, considering she was a young adult. At that time, young people made up the bulk of that movement. Of course, we know Martin Luther King as the face of that movement, but it was other people as well, other leaders, local leaders and what have you. So, um, But I also did not know she supported the Black Panther Party, the Black Panther Party for Self-Defense. So Margaret Kimberly of Black Agenda Report, Freedom Ride Blog, shared an excerpt from an article on Twitter today that I just want to read to you. This is a excerpt from a newspaper article. and It's just an excerpt. It's not the entire article. But it says, um, it, it shows a picture of Aretha Franklin and Angela Davis. Angel, Aretha says she'll go Angela's bond if permitted. So I don't know what that means unless she was going to pay Angela's bond or whatnot. So I'll read the excerpt for more context. So Queen Aretha Franklin says she stands ready to go. Angela Davis bond, whether it's a hundred thousand or 250,000. If the courts will let her miss Davis, 26 year old, former UCLA philosophy instructor and an admitted Communist, so this is coming from white supremacist media, is being held in New York without bond pending extradition to San, San Rafael, California, where Marin County Grand Jury returned murder, kidnapping, and conspiracy indictments against her in connection with a courtroom escape. Shout out to the Soledad brothers, because um, um, that's what they're talking about with a courtroom escape attempt that took four lives. And who took those lives? The freaking slave catcher police is the ones who killed people. Uh, shout out to Sin Q, who's still in prison, who was part of that 
uh, Miss Davis was accused of buying the guns that were used in the, and I'm just going to use my language, that was used in the attempted escape from modern day slavery and human trafficking. All right. So I didn't know that. I didn't know that about Aretha Franklin. Now, I knew, speaking of, you know, we're talking about singers, uh, R&B singers, Shaka Khan at one time was a panther. And then she told this little story about something about a gun and she didn't want to be part of that and what have you. I mean, come on, Shaka. I mean, they came to national prominence, prominence because they were photographed um, with their guns and patrolling the pigs in the community that was preying on the community. Pigs, I'm talking about the slave catching police. So you knew that they were about guns. So she claimed she quit. And then that's when she just jumped into the music industry. And year a couple of years ago, I called her out on Facebook when she posted something in support of the Israeli Defense Forces. That is the the military wing of the Israeli, you know, part of the Israeli government, the army that's murdering children and other unarmed, nonviolent people in occupied Palestine right now as they continue to engage in the uh, right to return to the land that was stolen from them, okay, so that they could create the apartheid state of Israel. So, you know, compare and contrast that singer with Aretha. So my my respect level just went a whole lot higher for Aretha Franklin. All right, so I, I just wanted to pay tribute to her, and I will just share this brief bio from blackpass.org about Aretha. Again, it doesn't even mention anything about her civil rights um, work, nor does it mention her support for the Black Panther Party. So this is, you know, it's understandable that I didn't know this. In her five decades as a recording artist, Aretha Franklin, the undisputed queen of soul, became a music legend. Aretha Louise Franklin was born in Memphis, Tennessee on March 25, 1942. Her family soon relocated to Detroit, Michigan, where her father, Reverend C.L. Franklin, became a minister at New Bethel Baptist Church. Reverend Franklin was a prominent gospel performer in his own right, and his career exposed his daughter to gospel and soul music and to civil rights leaders such as Dr. Martin Luther King and contemporary or future musical icons such as Smokey Robinson, Sam Cooke, Clara Ward, and Bobby Blue Bland. Unfortunately, Aretha's life was marred by tragedies that included the death of her mother when she was 10, physical abuse by her first husband, and the tragic shooting of her father in 1979. He remained in a coma until his 1984 death. Aretha Franklin, her first album, um, 
recorded her first album at the age of 14, The Gospel Sound of Aretha Franklin, while singing solos in New Bethel and going on tours with her father. In 1960, she signed with Columbia Records. Despite producing 10 albums and her concert performances, netting 100,000 in nightclubs and theaters, the Columbia style featuring top 40 pop ballads proved an uneasy fit. Columbia tried to turn Aretha into a jazzy pop singer while she was determined to draw her background in blues and gospel music. Never let them change you, all right? In 1966, the year I was born, Franklin signed with Atlantic Records, which gave her more creative control, and she began revolutionizing soul music by creating a sound all her own. By 1968, Aretha Franklin was considered a symbol of black pride and soul music. Her songs, Respect, You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman, Young, Gifted, and Black, and Think became anthems reflecting the growing militancy of African Americans and challenging racial oppression. See, I, I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I knew that the Black Panther Party had approached James Brown, and that's how we got I'm Black and I'm Proud, because he was making a lot of pop music and whatnot, and, and they was like, look, we need music for the movement, all right? So, soundtrack to a revolution. So, I didn't know that about her. Her Amazing Grace album, released in 1970, which returned her to her church roots, sold over 2 million copies and made her one of the most successful gospel singers of the era. Franklin received an award from Dr. Martin Luther King in 1967 and appeared on the cover of Time magazine on June 28, 8, 1968. In the early 1970s, despite the success of her landmark 1971 album, Aretha Live at the Fillmore West, her career began to decline. She worked on a soundtrack to the 1976 film Sparkle with Curtis Mayfield, which produced her last top 40 hits of the decade. In the 80s, Franklin moved to Arista Records, where she recorded everything from gospel to dance music, while her last big hit was A Rose is Still a Rose, produced by Lauren Hill in 1998. Franklin continued to be a significant presence in the music industry and the African-American community. In 2001, she wowed audience across the globe with a performance in VH1's Divas Live, the one and only Aretha Franklin. And in 2009, she sang My Country Tissothy at President Barack Obama's inauguration. Franklin was the first woman inducted into the Rock and, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1987, she also had the largest number of top 40 singles of any female performer. She had 45 and was the youngest recipient of the John F. Kennedy Center's honors, which she received in 1994. Over her career, Franklin won 17 Grammys and has had 20 number one R&B hits. Her 1967 album, I Never Loved the Man the Way I Loved You, is considered the greatest soul album of all time, while her 1971 Aretha Franklin, Aretha Live at the Fillmore West, is called one of the top five greatest live albums of the rock era. Aretha Louise Franklin died in Detroit, Michigan, of pancreatic cancer on August the 16th, 
2018. She was 76 years old. So salute to Aretha Franklin for her many, many, many uh, great contributions to humanity and specifically to the African American community. She definitely uh, will be missed. So, with that out, out um, with that, I want to move to um, some of these news stories of the day. All right, so the telephone number again, 704-802-5056, 704-802-5056. You can also join us at uberconference.com slash Black Talk Radio uh, Network, where you can also call in from with a computer, no matter where you are in the world. All right, so I mentioned at the top of the broadcast that Alex Jones... Um, was on his program, his terrestrial radio program was being syndicated across the nation and the flagship station from which it was broadcast was illegal. It was what's known as pirate radio station and it got shut down by the FCC yesterday. So this comes to you from Mashable Dot com. It says a pirate radio station, which served as Alex Jones' flagship outlet, has been shut down by the Federal Communications Commission. I'm well. He can't be on Twitter. He's kicked off everywhere else. He's so he's not on Twitter because he got a week long ban for telling his followers to uh, pick up their guns and to go target people. I mean, he said this. You know, that's illegal. You would think, you know, as many black people have been caught up in this B.I.E. nonsense, we got this W.I.E. who is telling people to commit acts of violence and to target people, including the mainstream media. And he's not being arrested, okay, because we live in a system practicing slavery and white supremacy. Liberty Radio was broadcasting on 90.1 FM without federal consent, which means he didn't have they didn't have a license. According to the Austin American statesman, it reported that with the FCC accusing the station of doing so since 2013. So they flying under the radar for what? Five years. FCC agents managed to trace the station's signal to an apartment block in East Austin. That's where he's based in Austin, Texas. You know, he likes to tell where other people live and because, you know, that's why some of those gun victims, family members of gun victims of Sandy Hook had to move because of Alex Jones. So that's where he live is in Austin, Texas, which, you know, he he doesn't make that a secret. Anyway, it says that they traced the station signal to an apartment block in East Austin following a complaint, according to the agency lawsuit filed against Liberty Radio. The FCC has also handed a $15,000 penalty to the station's owners who reportedly are refusing to pay because they they, they, they uh, saying, hey, we're white and we can do whatever we want to do. The rules don't apply to us. We're above the law. Everybody else, you know, they want to file all that paperwork and go through all that red tape to get a FCC license. Uh, nah, we're not going to do that. we just going to do what the heck we want to do. 
and, and they're refusing to pay it. Liberty Radio said on its website that it has stopped broadcasting terrestrially since last December. So that would have been December of 2017, but the FCC says they've been doing it since 2013, but still ma- maintains an online stream. The station schedule features InfoWars programs, including the Alex Jones Show, Real News with David Knight, and War Room. We are committed to spreading the word of truth. We have chosen the best schedule possible to accomplish this endeavor, reads a statement on its website. The FCC hubbub comes after Twitter gave Jones' personal account a seven-day timeout. So InfoWars, he still allowed Prison Planet, all his other Twitter accounts still allowing him to be on there, but uh, his personal account, It says they are preventing him from tweeting, retweeting, or liking content because he violated the platform's rules. Again, I'm already mentioned what they cited, and he posted a video of of him telling his his band of of white supremacists, white nationalists, neo-Nazis, suspected racists, and what have you, uh, telling them to take their, did he call it battle rifles? Uh, take their battle rifles and to target uh, certain people. He should be he should be uh, hauled into the FBI right now if they was about practicing justice, right? But they not. They not. So I, I tell you, man, other tech companies have taken a stronger stand on Infowars and Jones, notably Apple and Spotify, who have removed his podcast from their platform. So that comes to you from Mashable, all right? So all this time, you know, um, that station which syndicates the radio station, I mean the radio programs out to other stations around the nation, uh, was operating illegally for five years without an FCC license. Now, when I first started Black Talk Media Project, I was looking at getting into low-power FM community radio. But as I did more research and I found out the initial investment that it was going to cost, I mean, that equipment for terrestrial radio was very, very expensive. All right, it, it can get expensive in maintaining it and what have you. And then you have to apply for a license. And you may not get that license, but you got to pay big money to get an engineer to write up, um, you know, the antenna plans and a whole bunch of technical details. And, you know, my research showed that that was costing thousands of dollars and what have you. And even for a low power FM radio station, which typically only has a broadcast radius of about five miles, you know, so we were looking at that first, you know, I in community radio, you know, and, and so I said, no, I don't want to be under FCC license uh, uh, and under their authority because what the FCC giveth, the FCC can take away, all right? And, you know, internet radio, which is continues, continues to become a popular format of media this was back in 2008 when I was doing all this research. I was like, no, I'll just go with internet radio. And that is when 
I started uh, buying different equipment and researching how I can make this work. And I actually patent um, or copyrighted a technical manual on how to wire mixers. And I even created my own little mixing kit, you know, that I used to sell. Um, it's just one of my suppliers for one of the components. It was getting hard to get it from them. But I still have some kits. I'm looking at a box full of those kits right now, a little shoe box full of them. So that's why we're doing digital internet radio uh, is because of this. But again, the story is this illegal terrestrial radio station, flagship station of InfoWars has been shut down by the FCC for operating without a license. But I'm sure, I'm sure on their website, I'm sure on InfoWars and all that, they're talking about some government conspiracy to shut down the truth. Okay? Yeah, right. Right. Somebody filed a complaint. And this goes back to what I was saying on uh, the last program about enemy media operations. That propaganda is a part of warfare. And I'm not talking about a shooting war although propaganda exists during shooting wars, but during the Cold War, media propaganda, the go your government, the U.S. government, operates several media outlets, including radio stations abroad. And since the rules have been changed, they can now, and this happened under Trump, under this FCC, now, because it used to be against the law for the U.S. government to broadcast is propaganda media to the American people. But they could target the rest of the world with their propaganda, but they weren't supposed to target Americans. You could look up on YouTube, the Frank Church uh, hearings, uh, COINTELPRO hearings, CIA, you know, this was back in the 70s, targeting the American public with government-produced propaganda mostly lies and what have you, all right? So I was talking about, this is warfare. Alex Jones knows it's warfare. He said there's a war on for your mind. Malcolm X told me through via video that media is the most powerful entity on the face of the planet because it controls the minds of the masses. And that's evident when we say hate speech precedes hate crimes. There was someone on Twitter today, some reporter um, who was obviously putting out some propaganda in opposition to Donald Trump's attack on the media and saying how, you know, the American media and, and what have you is very important to democracy and blah, 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 blah. Now, obviously, people who know me know I am not a supporter of Donald Trump or anything that he's doing, okay? And so I just tweeted back at her, yeah, American media historically has instigated violent racist attacks against non-white people like the Tulsa War on Black People. They try to call it a race riot. No, it was an attack by white racists on that black community, and it happened in more than one place. And I was reading today, because reading is important as as I hear gusts of context of white supremacy say often, reading them is more important than watching television. But I was reading that that Tulsa newspaper, 
back then was uh, uh, instigating the violence. They played a big role in riling up them racist white terrorists to attack those prosperous black people based on a lie that a black man who was never charged with a crime and he survived of raping a white woman. And it was totally false. But that newspaper put that out. This ain't no game, y'all. This is warfare. And Alex Jones knows it. And unfortunately, some of these other people don't seem to know it. And they claim to be enemies of people like Alex Jones, but they're getting on Twitter and going on their YouTube channels advocating for a non-existent right for Alex Jones to spread hate speech and white supremacy ideology. Anybody that's doing that is not an ally. They are not an ally. They are those moderates that, that and I wouldn't even call them moderates. I call them allies of white supremacy. And, and Dr. King said the greatest stumbling block to justice in this country wasn't the Ku Klux Klan, but it was the white moderate. All right, because they will tell you they have that these these white terrorists have a right to do what they do and to say what they say. Okay, so that's why Dr. King said that. So look up that that quote. I, I, I know part of the quote. He said they were the greatest stumbling block because they prefer a negative peace instead of preferring justice meaning that they didn't want rebellions going on. They didn't want the Black Panther Party running around with their guns or the Black Liberation Army or anything like that. They didn't want people out there battling Nazis in the street as we see Antifa doing today, okay? No, they, they want everything to be peaceful and want us to wait hundreds of years for some justice that still ain't materialized. Moderates are the greatest stumbling block to justice. And, and they probably aren't even moderates, but codified racists, all right? Pretending that they believe in liberty and justice for all, while at the same time advocating for those who would uh, uh, put out ideological messages against non-white groups to deprive them of liberty and justice. Can't have it both ways. You can't have it both ways. All right. So now I was speaking the other day. I had shared an article that I wrote in 2015 when uh, Tim Wise said that he supposes he has a right to yell nigger in Times Square, standing in the middle of Times Square, yell nigger at people, call people niggers, hate speech and not get punched in the freaking face. Well, he said murdered for it, okay? And so in that article, I mentioned a, a fighting words, you know, that was in the Kaplinsky versus New New uh, Hampshire Supreme Court case. And they said, you know, you didn't have a right to do that. So a member of btrcommunity.com today asked me, if I would talk more about that, because they found a 1992 case that reversed the Kaplinsky case. So I posted the link to, to Cornell. I think it's Cornell. Let me find it right quick. Y'all bear with me. 
let me see if I can find it. All right, here it is. He says, um, Aiken, I believe I'm pronouncing uh, his uh, username properly. It's in btrcommunity.com. Let me get to it because the page is still loading up. Y'all bear with me, please. Uh, where is that? I just saw it. Okay, that's the wrong thread. Let me scroll down a little bit. And I should see it. Okay, he says, Aiken says, can you talk more about fighting words doctrine? Though Chaplinsky versus New Hampshire, 315 U.S. 568, 1942, established fight words doctrine, it seems to me that it was overturned in RAV versus the city of St. Paul, 505 U.S. 377 in 19. 92. So, uh, you know, I said I'll have to look up that case law, but I provided a link to the Cornell Law University, law.cornell.edu, for the First Amendment because they have a whole bunch of links for the different cases of where, you know, that has been argued in court. Here is some of the uh, links that they provide to discuss the First Amendment in in these case, related cases through the years uh, in context. So, again, what does the First Amendment say? Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people to peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Now, of course, we know when it was passed by some racist white white people and not all of the so-called founders weren't slave owners and weren't, well, I shouldn't say slave owners, but I should say slavers. Okay. Um, all of them weren't, we highlighted an abolitionist who was one of the founders, uh, during that period who was an abolitionist and what have you, but we know the slavers, uh, had the most influence cause they had the most wealth. All right. So but some of the resources they give you for the First Amendment, um, the Establishment Clause, Lee versus Wiseman, 1992, Van Orden versus Perry, 2005, the Free Exercise Clause, State Action Requirement. Um, let me see. Libel, slander, defamation, absolute privilege, advocacy of illegal action, fighting words commercial speech, government speech, obscenity, which the FCC does not enforce on these terrestrial radio stations that's targeting the black community with this killer radio, misogynistic music. Um, and, and it goes on and on and on. Um, talks about unlawful unlawful assembly, riot, uh, redress of grievances, petition, and what have you. So, you know, it is a little bit more complex than just reading into reading the uh, Amendment One of the Bill of Rights or of the Constitution. But I, I would argue again, you know, some no one has a right to terrorize me, to threaten me. Calling me a nigger is a threat. As I shared that little story as a ten-year-old of being of being terrorized by a mob of of a white baseball team chasing me and my two cousins calling us niggers and what have you. I associate that with violence. I associate that word with terrorism. 
and what have you. So you don't have a right to assault me with your words because I know hate speech precedes hate crimes because now you're going to do a crime and I will preemptively strike your behind. I certainly will. In defense of my life, I'm going to stand my ground. So again, though, here is where these advocates of hate speech are missing the point in reference to Alex Jones, though. Black Talk Radio Network's platform is not a government platform. We can restrict speech. In fact, I have a new podcasting client that I spoke with earlier today, and I asked her, what is your podcast about? What is the subject matter of your podcast? And I said, the reason I asked that question is because I've had people who look like us come on and engage in anti-black propaganda and anti-African propaganda and saying that the transatlantic slave trade never happened. All right. So I have a line in the sand. All right. I have a responsibility to the listening audience, the subscribers to the Black Talk Radio Network platform to censor certain types of content. I certainly would never give any help to people like Alex Jones. I will know I'm censoring them by not allowing them on in the first place. Facebook, while it works with government entities to oppress people, they still are not a government, a part of the federal U S federal government or any government for that matter. Cause they're in all these other countries and what have you. And they don't have to, although they allowed him to do it for years and internal records show that they were coddling right wing white males and, and for fear, this alleged fear of Congress coming after them for shutting these races down and what have you. And so Apple, which, you know, you distribute podcasts through their iTunes, which we do, um, you know, they shut them down. They are not a government institute. They are private business. We are a, a privately held nonprofit organization. All right. And and so we don't have to give platforms to messengers of hate. We don't have to give space on our platforms to messengers of hate. All right. So that's where my biggest thing lies with these advocates for messengers of hate is you're using a false dichotomy. You're using a false, a fake analogy by saying, oh, if they come for Alex during the day, they coming for me at night. When guess what? As I've stated again, they been coming after different groups. They banned a black woman for documenting a road trip she took where she experienced racism. Okay, they banned her for not forever, but for a short time. But there was outrage about it. And so they restored their account. I remember today when I was um, arguing the unconstitutionality of these sagging laws. Not that I think sagging is attractive. Not that I'm an advocate of sagging, having your britches hanging down to where your underwear is showing and whatnot. But I don't think it's the government's right to 
to throw you in jail for SAG, especially if no skin is showing. I mean, people would buy their underwear to match whatever outfit they had on. And, you know, so so their boxers would be showing or whatnot. So anyway, to show how ridiculous and absurd these laws are, I shared a couple of images on Facebook, on our Facebook page, in context of, okay, if they're going to tell you they can't sag, then how come in Seattle they allow this festival of naked white people, majority of naked white people, riding a book, riding bikes. That's the thing in, in Washington, the state of Washington, in Seattle, I believe. I said, how come in New York City, in Central Park, they allow these people to be naked with their body paint? You know, they're naked. They just painted their bodies. I don't see anybody arresting them or giving them a ticket. So why are you targeting? Well, I know why you're targeting black people, but is it right then to target someone simply because their boxers are showing? And some people sag not on purpose. I'm constantly, (laughs) you know, as you get older, sometimes your your pants will start sagging, you know. And you're not doing it on purpose. But you don't want to cut off your circulation sometimes by wearing a tight, tight belt that is leaving marks on you. And sometimes, you know, depending upon the activity you engaged in, your pants may sag down a little bit or whatnot. So, I mean, there's intentional sagging and there's unintentional sagging. So what, what sense do it make for us to be finding people, throwing people in jail over sagging? when you allowing this. And the other image I shared was of a person sagging and then of white teenage females in underwear wearing it outside. Okay? Wearing it outside. Boxers. Boxers. Wearing nothing but boxers. They could have had panties on under their boxers. I don't know. But they were wearing underwear as outerwear. And I shared that picture again, sharing a picture of somebody sagging. I was banned from Facebook for three days for that post. Somebody flagged it. I know who flagged it uh, because the person told me they flagged it. They used to be, quote unquote, an ally or whatnot. And they, they took issue with me sharing pictures of young white girls in their underwear. I mean, you open up a a catalog, a clothing catalog, you're going to see what? You're going to see women modeling underwear and what have you. You go on to any of these fashion shows, let's say Victoria's Secret, there ain't nobody censoring that. So, you know, I I mentioned that black people specifically have been getting banned from Facebook for a very long time, getting thrown in Facebook jail for the longest. I didn't hear these advocates for the messengers of hate, you know, making a big stink about that. They've been banning Palestinian activists, as I said the other day. So again, I am not into 
the the system is already in these corporations are already engaged in anti-blackness and suppressing us so don't act like because they did it to Alex Jones like they're going to start doing it to other people because they already been doing it they already been doing it and I said we should be doing everything we can to take out the media operations of the messengers of hate and somebody filed a complaint with the FCC and said Alex Jones flagship radio station terrestrial radio station is operating without a license as Malcolm X said by any means necessary by any means necessary so good job to whoever filed that complaint now are you advocates of messengers of hate going to now turn around and say Alex Jones has a right or those station owners have a right to operate a unlicensed terrestrial radio station on the public airwaves. That what you're going to do? And as I stated, if y'all so concerned about Alex Jones' speech rights, then give him a segment on your YouTube channel or whatever platform you're on. Invite him on to be an author on your Facebook page since you're so concerned about this suspected racist propagandist speech rights being violated, then give him space on your platform. But you won't do that because you know what? You're in the censorship too. You don't want your brand associated with right-wing lunatics. So you're hypocrites is what you are. That's all I got on, on that story. Again, the telephone number is 704-802-5056. 704-802-5056. We're at the top of the hour, actually past the top of the hour. We're going to take a station identification break and play some more. I'll play another track from Aretha Franklin as um, you know I want to continue to pay her tribute not for being a great one of the all time great R&B soul singers but because of how she leveraged her wealth and notoriety on behalf of people seeking justice that's why I'm honoring her but I appreciate the music too. Appreciate the music too because we get depressed. I get depressed reporting on these terrible stories, reporting on modern day slavery and human trafficking. And I need a stress reliever. And music is that stress reliever for me since I can't play basketball like I used to play basketball, which was, you know, sports was an outlet for me as well. All right, you're listening to Black Talk Radio News on the Black Talk Radio Network, airing Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Fridays at 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern. We'll be right back. Stay tuned.
You are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. Not a woo tango. Welcome back to Black Talk Radio News. Scotty Reed in on this broadcast from behind these enemy lines of USA Inc. All right. Don't be a chain, chain, part of that chain of fools out there that's advocating for the messengers of hate. They the weak link in the chain of justice. All right. We need to remove them. All right. They are not allies. They are not helping us advance justice in this world because how can you claim to be justice and at the same time advocate for the messengers of hate? You okay? Media controls the minds of the masses. Is that is that hard to understand? There's been plenty of scientific studies of approving Malcolm X's theory. All right. So, let me move on to uh, some of the other stories. Let me check the board. Uh, greetings to those who are listening by way of uberconference.com. Anytime you like to chime in, hit star star. Uh, I do have some more stories that I would like to get to and get through. All right. So uh, let me see. Speaking of the FCC and speaking of liars, speaking of internet platforms as it turns out and I'm going to have to do this later perhaps later tonight or in the morning and watch the FCC chairman Ajit Pai get grilled by Congress over made up FCC cyber attack and on Twitter today I, I issued a call for him to be fired he should resign Lying, and and I hope he lied to Congress today. Not that I expect a Congress controlled by conservatives, which he is. All right, he's a big capitalist conservative, and his job at the FCC is was to eliminate one of the good things that Barack Obama did, and that was put net neutrality rules in place. For those that don't know what net neutrality means that means that your ISP providers that's internet service providers they don't actually not providing you the internet but they're giving you access to the internet which is a bunch of computer servers linked together serving up content so whenever you go to a website that website is on a server you go to black talk radio network it's on a server that we lease Okay, so that's what the internet is. It's a network of computer servers that that serve up content. The way that you get to that content is through a ISP provider. Okay, a internet service provider. So, Barack Obama administration put rules and said all traffic must be treated equally, meaning that AT and T, AT and T cannot slow down the traffic of Black Talk Radio Network while not messing with the traffic of Facebook.com. Okay? Or Twitter or what have you. And eliminating those rules would set the framework for 
these ISP providers, these big corporations who also own many of the media platforms or the servers and what have you. But it would allow them to then start charging content providers a fee. They would create two lanes of traffic, the fast lane and the slow lane. Hey, you want to be in the fast lane? We're going to charge you, let's say, you got to pay a 5000 a year fee. All right? You ain't got the money to pay that fee, then your, your stuff going to be in the slow lane, which means that when the people who visit your website try to pull up your website, it may take five minutes for it to load up the pages. And then, then imagine if they trying to visit several pages on your website and it's taking five minutes for each page. What is the internet surfer going to do? He going to, he going to, Hey, I ain't got time to be sitting here all day waiting for this page to load. Get y'all act together. Not knowing that it's, it's the ISP provider who is slowing down that traffic. Okay. So, So, I'm sorry, somebody has came in the studio to talk to me. Okay, but, um, so that's what F, that's what net neutrality is about. So, they had a, before the FCC and many of these government agencies can change such rules, they have to have a public comment uh, period, meaning that they have to get input from the public. And the American people, American citizens, in a huge majority said, we like net neutrality. We want all internet traffic to be equal. We don't think anybody should be able to slow down the speed of a website versus another. We don't think they should be able to extort money from a content provider because if he doesn't have the ability to pay, then you're censoring him, okay, or them based off their ability to pay. So Ajit Pai shut that down. He shut down the comment section during the comment period on the FCC. You access it through the internet. And then told a lie that they had been hacked. They had been hit by hackers, which overwhelmingly, most of the hacker organizations like Anonymous and others, they support net neutrality. So why would they do that? He was lying. This comes to you from a technology website, Gizmodo.com. On Thursday, that was today, that's today, Ajit Pai will have his first appearance before a Senate Oversight Committee since an internal report revealed the FCC has been falsely claiming its comment system was hit by a cyber attack last year. It's going to be good, and you can watch it live this morning starting at 10 a.m. Eastern. Well, you know, I was preparing uh, some other stuff, and I hadn't known that this was going to occur. So I didn't get to watch it, but I'm sure it's probably on C-SPAN's website or something. For more than a year, the FCC has claimed its website was hit by a DDoS attack, which means denial of service attack, which just basically sends so many... Um, they use bots to request so many uh, pages from your website that it overwhelms your server and then nobody can access your server. So, you know, during high periods of traffic, you may not be able to access a website, okay? 
Um, sometimes that's why, why, because they have high traffic and it's overwhelmed the server, especially smaller, you know, operations like ours and what have you. All right. But he claimed this and it didn't happen. Despite the numerous issues with the legally mandated commenting process, FCC Chairman Ajit Pai barreled forward with his plan to kill the open Internet and secured approval last December, again, Trump administration. All the while, he maintained that a cyber attack had occurred and the FCC was powerless to do anything about it. Earlier this month, the FCC's Inspector General concluded an investigation into the attacks and found the whole story was hogwash. Despite the FCC being aware that it should expect a tremendous influx of traffic. It did not prepare for the flood or legitimate, the flood of legitimate Americans who wanted to express their disapproval of the Title II repeal. Pai has previously testified to Congress that the phony cyber attack occurred and has since placed all the blame on its chief information officer. If a letter sent to Pi by Democrats from the Energy and Commerce Committee on Tuesday is any indication, members of the Senate aren't buying it. So he did. He lied to Congress. That's a federal crime. One that isn't often prosecuted because, see, in a system of slavery, the law isn't for everyone. It's not applied equally to everyone. Certain people with certain political connections, certain with a certain amount of wealth are not held accountable like everybody else. Ordinary citizens, ordinary residents, ordinary people. So he lied he lied to Congress. And the Black Talk Media Project is calling for the immediate firing of a jit pie for lying for first denying the American public a right to comment on the process to comment on their proposal to kill the open internet and do away with the Obama administration's net neutrality rules he should be fired for, for lying to Congress about a phony cyber attack people just don't understand the power of media they don't understand it they really 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 don't it clicked like a light bulb in my brain when I first saw the quote of Malcolm X talking about how powerful it is and the control that it has over people this is the corporations killing net neutrality. This is your big media. Remember, there's only about six companies that control 95% of global media. Okay? This is the way for them to solidify further control of the minds of the masses and program the masses with their lies. Okay? So, definitely a very important story that I wanted to bring to you all's attention. And I call on all you media organizations out there. Um, you know, you got um, different different organizations um, that stand up for media rights and open internet. 
Y'all need to be calling for his firing. Y'all need to stand with Black Talk Media Project and calling for a jit pie, immediate resignation, and if he doesn't resign, he should be fired. But most importantly, he should be charged for uh, uh, lying under oath to Congress. Hold him accountable to the fullest extent of the law instead of getting his preferential treatment. All right, the next story, the next story. Again, this has to do with social media. I thought this was pretty weird, pretty odd. But the Democrat, the Democratic National Committee is continuing its vendetta against WikiLeaks, the whistleblowing publisher where anybody whistleblowers can send in government documents, not just the United States, but, you know, governments around the world. They have published documents, financial institutions, published documents of this criminality that's going on behind the scenes and what have you. And the DNC, now, I, I have to say, I don't know for a fact, but I have seen no evidence to support the Democratic National Committee's claim that they were hit by hackers, Russian hackers, who stole their emails and then published them ahead of the 2016 election, which showed that the DNC was put, was tipping the scales of balance in favor of Hillary Clinton and basically giving her full control of the process, which in a democracy, how does that work? That doesn't work. You're not supposed to take sides, especially when your own founding documents say that you will take no sides, but you took sides. The emails proved that, and now they going, they instead of fessing up to what they did, the cheating, all the other candidates, not just Bernie Sanders, but all the other candidates, and cheating them and, and setting up a rigged process, a rigged election, if you will, to give Hillary Clinton the nomination, which is why we have Donald Trump today. Because a polling, even their own internal polling, showed that if anybody would lose to Donald Trump, it was most likely would be Hillary Clinton. Okay? So anyway, they are suing WikiLeaks. Again, the FBI hasn't examined a service which would be customary if you're alleging a crime. Hacking is a crime. Stealing emails is a crime. Then why haven't you why hasn't the FBI examined the service which the DNC refused to hand over the service? They asked for them. They didn't subpoena the service because they were the one complaining about the crime. So the DNC, oh no, we our, our little fraud might get exposed if we let the FBI see our service. You know, well, depending upon what people in the FBI, because they're they're not, you know, they had their biases. They might have helped them cover it up, but they didn't want to take that chance, so they wouldn't let the FBI see their servers. So since they didn't let the FBI see their servers, and the only people telling us it was a hack and not a disgruntled employee upset over the rig process, stealing the emails internally, and then sending it to WikiLeaks who said that their source isn't the Russians and they won't reveal their source, which they won't. They shouldn't. 
you know, but they telling you it wasn't the Russians. You know, we, we know who we got this from. But anyway, the DNC is is suing WikiLeaks along with Russia and pro-Trump political oper- operatives. Now, how did they serve WikiLeaks? Now, the founder of WikiLeaks is holed up in the Ecuadorian uh, embassy in the UK. And the CIA, even Hillary Clinton herself, made no secret they would love to take out uh, Julian Assange, the, the, you know, the one who created, the founder of WikiLeaks. They, as the article mentions, the article comes to you from Sputnik News, and it is a Russian source, but just because it's a Russian source doesn't mean they're telling lies. I share American sources. I share wherever the information is after I vet the information and, 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 and try to see, okay, can we get some truth from this? Can we find some facts? So instead of them trying to serve, you know, you get served. You ever heard that term? You got served. Um, with lawsuits and what have you, so a subpoena that will require you to, you know, defend yourself in court and what have you. So a law firm representing the DNC didn't go to the Ecuadorian embassy and serve Julian Assange with this lawsuit or this court order that they're being served with. Then, no, what did they do? They sent it out over Twitter. That's crazy, man. And apparently this has happened before. So I can see this becoming the norm down the road where people can claim that they tried, they couldn't find you, but they found your Facebook profile. They found your Twitter profile. And so they served you with the legal documents by posting notification, tweeted at you, on Twitter or in your private messages or whatever, okay? No, that 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 is not right. But that's what they're doing to WikiLeaks. Again, this is a sham. This this is all a sham, people. All right, next story. The subject matter of apprentice tapes out there that have Donald Trump using the n-word has been in the media and some people don't think that's important and saying we already know he's a racist and all that but hey we need to keep piling on yeah most of us know that he's a racist but there are some people in denial and and then some people who don't care but anything that you can use against your enemy in this case a political enemy a social enemy then you should use it. So I'm like, hey, this is this is uh, usable. You know, we want those tapes out there. And Omarosa um, Newman, I forget her other name. Uh, she has a hyphenated name. But Omarosa, she's almost like Prince. And everybody know who you're talking about when you just use one name. So Omarosa said that there was a tape out. And so... She says she had a discussion with other staffers, two other black women for the Trump campaign, and said that they discussed the existence of this tape and wonder, and tried to ask Donald Trump if he said it or not. And if you said it, in what context? Because, you know, you could have just been repeating some lyrics from some of this killer radio garbage propaganda, music propaganda that they put out to the black community. Maybe he was just saying some lyrics that had the N-word in it. What's the context? 
And Donald Trump really wouldn't answer them. He did say, no, I didn't. And then he said, just put it to bed. But these women, one of the women, Katrina Pearson, said the conversation never happened. Omarosa has no credibility. She's lying. She's writing a fictional script. So Omarosa came out with the tape of that woman along with the other woman and herself discussing these tapes. And Katrina Pearson said, oh my God, by his, based on his response, I'm paraphrasing what she said, based on his response about putting it to bed that she believed he did say it. And Omarosa put that tape out showing this woman to be a liar and an enemy of truth, all right? So now we have someone else who is backing Amarosa up, all right? Because they want to make it all about Amarosa's credibility. You couldn't trust her. Oh, but you could trust her when she was part of the Trump administration. And, I, and I'm going to tell you, man, I ain't got nothing against Amarosa. I, you know, I said before, I ain't have a problem with black people meeting with Donald Trump because that is, he is the POTUS. That's a position of power. And Frederick Douglass said that, that power concedes nothing without a demand. So I ain't got a problem with black people putting demands on Donald Trump. She decided to do it from the inside. And she did secure some benefits for historically black colleges and universities and what have you. Now, she did tell some lies. And she admitted that she told some lies on, on you know, to, to during the Trump campaign. And she said, I was complicit too. I'm going to come clean. I'm complicit. But, I, you know, I don't feel the same way that I felt before. No, I'm not taking a $15,000 a month payoff to keep my mouth shut. I'm going to tell what I know. And, and so, you know, I applaud her for that move. I don't know Amarosa. You don't know Amarosa. I never even watched one episode of The Apprentice. And that is how most people think they know Amarosa. Okay? Again, most of that stuff is scripted, and she might have been playing a villain or, or whatever. Anyway, things aren't always what they seem. And I'm going to give her, as a black woman, the benefit of the doubt. All right? But anyway, so they're trying to tear her down and saying she's not credible, that she's a liar and whatnot, but she got the tapes. Now, we have actor and comedian Tom Arnold. Y'all remember him? He was, used to be married to Trump supporter Roseanne, and he is a staunch um, opponent of Donald Trump and even called out his ex-wife, Rosie O'Donnell, for her support for Donald Trump and what have you. And, and remember when she said the N-word, he called her out. So anyway, we got actor and comedian Tom Arnold in a story from rawstory.com that I think was published today. Yeah, it was published today. And he's backing up Omarosa. This is some of the article which was written um, by Sarah K. Burris and published on Raw Story. Actor and comedian Tom Arnold said Wednesday that he knows with certainty that a tape exists of Donald Trump saying the N-word as well as other horrible things. In an interview with Jimmy Kimmel, Arnold said that he has known Trump for 30 years and that the president has always been begging him to do The Apprentice. 
it is such a crappy show that I wouldn't do it, Arnold said. Like, that is for real. That says a lot because I do everything. When it came to the infamous N-word tape, Arnold said that he has seen it. See, it's, it's not an audio tape. They got them on video. When it comes to the infamous N-word tape, Arnold said that he has seen it and knows the people who have it. I've seen this compilation tape, he said. If you're on one of these reality shows, there's compi compilation tapes of me doing horrible, disgusting things. Of course, I do horrible, disgusting things, but I'm also not running for president. I remember this tape. I saw, and I described it exactly. He says the N-word. He calls Eric the R word. Now I don't know what that means. What uh, what does the R word stand for? I don't I don't know what that means. He calls somebody a rape. I don't know. He he says the N word. He calls Eric the R word. Now they call it in they call it in the N word tape. I have friends that worked on that show, and I explained it exactly. He said that he's been talking about the tape, and some have called him a liar. However, two people have not, Donald Trump and former producer Mark Burnett. There's a reason for that, according to Arnold. He went on to explain that Burnett is on the MGM board, again, another media corporation, and that he and other board members are worried about the scandal involving these tapes. According to Arnold, the FCC, you know why they worried about it? Remember how they took Cosby off the air after his rape trial? Or even some of the allegations? So you better believe that 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 Apprentice is still making money in syndication, reruns and what have you. And so they don't want it coming out because then the same situation may come up with as Wick came up with the Cosby show, which I don't think the show should have been taken off regardless of what uh, um, uh, Bill Cosby was convicted of and, and accused of by multiple women, including black women. So, so that's what, that's why they're worried about their future profits involving the apprentice. So let me get back to the article. According to Arnold, the FCC, again, FCC coming up a lot today, the FCC requires that any conversation between a producer and host be filmed because The Apprentice was technically a game show, so MGM has tons of footage of Trump saying any manner of obscenities. Now, when he mentioned that, this goes back to my conversation on BTR community um, about the First Amendment and nigger should be considered an obscenity. And so I don't believe my interpretation of the 13th Amendment, I mean, excuse me, of the First Amendment outside of fighting words is obscene. It's obscene. There's laws against obscenity, especially public obscenity and indecency. So they're bringing up, you know, they have tons of footage of Trump saying a manner, any manner of obscenities. He doesn't expect the tape to become public unless someone other than Burnett finds it and releases it. Burnett, according to Arnold, is Trump's best friend and will do whatever he can to help. The comedian 
rattled off the president's political atrocities from the birther movement to the immigrant children in cages and said that those at AMGM could help bring down Trump, but they won't. Mark Burnett could do something. He does nothing, Arnold said. So let me see if I can cue up the audio um, to this interview of Tom Arnold vouching for Amarosa, where everybody's saying she's lying, vouching that the tape does, in fact, exist, and that he's seen it. He's seen it, so it's 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 not loading up, so I'm not going to play it. I'm not going to waste time trying to play it. Uh, let me see. Looks like it was trying to play, and I stopped it. But I'm, I am going to take, um, past the half-hour mark, take our final station identification uh, break. You're listening to Black Talk Radio News on the Black Talk Radio Network. No, I'm not a writer. Okay. Black Talk Radio, since 2008, providing new black media for the masses. And welcome back to BTR News. Scotty Reed sitting in on this mic from behind these enemy lines of USA Inc. Please continue to support the North Carolina-based nonprofit Black Talk Media Project, which manages Black Talk Radio Network as well as the social media platform Black uh, Black. Excuse me, is BTRcommunity.com. I'm trying to do two things at once. I'm trying to cue up this audio um, of Tom Arnold appearing on this show. So it's giving me a little trouble. So, um, look, I link to it. Y'all can go watch it. All right, so I'm move on. I'm going to move on. Uh, closing out, let me check the board, see if we got any callers that would like to ask a question. Again, if you're already on the board, hit star star to unmute yourself and um, just watch your background noise and we'll get your comments in. But we are about to wrap up the program here shortly, so please get it in before we do that. Um, let me see. Next story. I, I want to keep it on this story. Uh, Amarosa. This comes to you also from rawstory.com. Trump has met his match. Amarosa, hence she handed over incriminating evidence to Mueller. Now, again, I don't know what this evidence is. And I don't buy the DNC hacking story. I believe it was a leak. But that may not be what they're talking about. She could be talking about something else. Because, you know, I was listening to Tanya Free and Friends yesterday, which airs on the Black Talk Radio Network every Wednesday at 2 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. And Tanya said she wasn't interested in nothing Amarosa has to say unless she's talking about uh, something that's going to get him taken out of office. Unless she's talking to Mueller, I don't want him to hear nothing that Amarosa say. Well, you know, that's Tanya's right. 
That's her right. Okay, but I, you know, I'm interested. I want to hear everything because it's propaganda material that I can use against the Trump administration by any means necessary. You know, it's what Malcolm X told us uh, we should do to obtain our freedom, any means necessary. And since my expertise is, is media and propaganda, then, yeah, I'm interested in what Omarosa has to say. But Omarosa is no dummy. Then he questioned her intelligence and all that, like he seems to do. He gets especially vicious when he attacks black people, doesn't he? Called her a dog and all of that kind of stuff. Um, talked about Maxine Waters' intelligence and all that. They're, they're, those are white supremacist talking points. They're always questioning the intelligence and the mental faculties or ability of black people as compared to themselves. Amarosa, though, seems to be very intelligent and has covered all her bases on this. And, and she got them on the run, and she's not the one on the run. She got them on the run. Although, we know that plenty of people have mysteriously turned up dead, had overdoses, or, or what have you. Um, we're going to pray for Amarosa's safety behind these enemy lines. Amarosa Manigault Newman hinted that she may have given recorded evidence to special counsel Robert Mueller of President Donald Trump's participation in a conspiracy to release emails stolen by Russian hackers. The former White House advisor and reality TV star spoke Wednesday afternoon with MSNBC's Craig Melvin, who asked her to justify her claim that Trump knew about emails stolen from the Clinton campaign, the Democratic National Committee, uh, before they were dumped online by WikiLeaks. So, now, because my credibility means something to me, I'm always trying to be objective. I don't know if the Russians hacked John Podesta's Gmail account or not. Matter of fact, I can't even recall right now, even though I bet you the likelihood exists, that on that private server that Hillary Clinton had in her basement to do State Department business, that she did campaign business on that server as well, which was unsecured and had been hacked. A private server she leased through a company that didn't even have a security clearance. That's a crime right there. That she would talk about being above the law. But again, let me not get sidetracked on it on on another issue, although it's related. But I don't know. Now, maybe Trump, even if the Russians didn't do it, if Trump thought they did, and she has tape of him that's proven some kind of collusion or, or what have you, then I would say that is evidence. Okay. I just simply don't know because she's not telling us exactly what the recorded evidence she gave to Robert Mueller. We don't know Which she, she again, being an intelligent person she is, and she's being aided by attorneys since there is an open investigation. It's best. She don't tell you what evidence that she handed over to Mueller. 
I'm telling you, man, y'all, y'all can joke. And I was joking when I said it on, on social media, but y'all can, hey, Omarosa seemed to have been on some spooku, sat by the door type, type uh, maneuvers and what have you. You know, obviously, she isn't a revolutionary that I know of. Obviously, she was doing this, I think, to cover her own behind and possibly to make a dollar down the road. You know, a lot of people capitalize off of situations and circumstances they find themselves in. So I, I just simply don't know what her motivation was. She says that she knew she was working with a bunch of liars and what have you. So she wanted to make recordings because they're going to lie if something come up down the road for as an insurance policy. So it goes on to say the most explosive allegation that you made is not even in the book, Melvin said. Manigault, who said she has been interviewed in the special counsel probe, said that omitted allegation was related to the Mueller investigation. So she didn't put it in the book, but she did tell Mueller and turned over the evidence. There are some things that are involved in this investigation, the Mueller investigation that I was very careful not to put in the book, she said. Melvin asked if she had proof that Trump knew about the hacked emails before they were posted online and she declined to answer, but hinted she might have given that evidence to Mueller. I can't even talk about the things that I talked with them about, Manigault said. I can't talk about the things I've submitted to them, but I want you to know that I fully continue to cooperate with this investigation. She stood by her claims and stated that she could prove them. I have been able to verify every single thing that I put in the book, Manigault said. I verified everything I've stated, and every single time the Trump people challenge me, I bring the receipts. I'm going to leave it there. Full article, you can access it via btrcommunity.com, but it is posted or was published on rawstory.com. Uh, Trump has met his match. Omarosa. Hence, she handed over incriminating evidence to Mueller. And as somebody else said, don't hate the player, hate the game. Because apparently, she knows the game better than these other people in the Trump administration. She knows how to play the game better than Donald Trump himself. All right? And wouldn't it be something, now again, it may be nothing, but wouldn't it be something if Trump does get impeached or brought down or harm, irreparable harm done to him by a black woman who he has frequently uh, targeted with vile, anti-humanistic language. You know, him calling her a dog on Twitter, uh, you know, that seemed like uh, a violation of terms of service, although I don't know what the terms of service is, but you know, I, I've never been banned or Twitter's never bothered me. So, you know, I, I, I just don't know, but I don't think it's right that, you know, he's allowed to say the things that he says. Some of the most hateful hate speech, vitriolic, but again, he is the POTUS. He is a public figure. And we like Donald Trump running his mouth because he ain't got no discipline. He's unhinged. And matter of fact, let me share this with y'all that Max shared with me today. 
He tagged me in it on Facebook. Come on, Max, man. You know, we you, you got to be on BTR community. He's a member of BTR community. But hit me up on BTR community with this stuff. But anyway, this is what Donald Trump treated earlier. If this is a, 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 a verified screenshot. So, again, my credibility means something to me. And I haven't had an opportunity because this came to me right before I came on air. So I haven't had a chance to browse Donald Trump's Twitter uh, profile to see if he posted this out. You know what? Matter of fact, I'm not even going to share it because it's fake. It's fake news. Because now I'm seeing it says, at real Donald Trump. Not real, real Donald Trump. Real Donald Trump. That's fake news, bro. John Smith didn't hit us off with some fake news on Facebook. All right, so I'm not even going to share share that. And I, I'm seeing some of the people, somebody else, Darius Webb, noticed that it was fake. This one fake, brother. Name even spelled wrong. I just noticed that, Darius. You're right. So let me go ahead and delete this fake news. It's, hey, we all get caught, right? It, it, it hit me. You know, I, I scanned it real quick. I was like, what's this Max tagging me in? Let me look at this. And, you know, I, I didn't notice, as I just noticed right now, the fake Twitter handle. So, sorry about that. Sorry about that, y'all. Uh, let's go Let's go to the Let's go to the phone lines. This may be Max online. Uh, 803, is this my abolitionist brother, Max Parthas? Peace, brother Scotty. Um, Sorry about tagging you in the fake uh, news, but they got me for all of about five or ten minutes, and then I found out it was a fake. Yeah, it's a lot out there, and, you know, um, we are susceptible to it, but, you know, what 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 really matters if, if we then come back and say, hey, somebody got me. Yeah, exactly. Every now and then we get got. <laughs> it happens. Nobody's 100%. But in any case, what you were talking about with Omarosa, I think – uh, that it is important at this point that we show some kind of support towards her uh, because it's possible between her and a porn star that those two women can take Tom, Donald Trump down. I'm in full agreement. I'm in full agreement. And even if you don't support her, you know, because of her media image that has been presented to you, in this case, you ain't got to tear her down. You ain't got to go along with, and I've seen people on the left, the so-called opposition to Trump, grill Omarosa and try to make it seem like she's credible, don't buy her book or whatnot. But Max, I was actually thinking that earlier today, what you just said, and I want to thank you for bringing it up. You know why we should support her? Because perhaps this will encourage other spooks to sit by the door. Yep, exactly. And, and I, when I say support, I don't mean you got to throw money her way, buy her books. Just don't bring her down. <laughs> you know what I mean? The same thing that all black people say. Just don't stand in her way. Let her do what she's going to do. Don't uh, pass around the hit pieces that the news is putting out. Don't attack her credibility. Don't be out here calling her all kinds of names and stuff like that because you don't even know the woman. Just let her do what she's going to do. Exactly. I, I'm in full 100% agreement with that, Max. Yep. Well, I appreciate you, Scotty Reed. I'm here listening, man. If you need me, just yell. All right. All right. Thank you, Max. 
All right, check out uh, myself and Max Parthis every Wednesday night. That's why I don't do BTR News on Wednesdays. Uh, it's because I'm uh, doing New Abolitionist Radio every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time on the Black Talk Radio Network, which is uh, uh, co-hosted and produced by Max Parthis and yours truly. And, you know, just put another shout-out out there. Um, I did have a woman. I wanted to bring another woman. We've had two women as co-hosts on New Abolitionist Radio in the past. And, you know, we're looking for another woman, another preferably black woman. But the only thing that matters is if you are abolitionist. All right. But we're looking for a woman co-host to, you know, help us produce that show and uh, get it out there to the masses. All right. Anyway. That's all I have for you today. I um, just want to share some quick headlines of some stories. It's just one more story. Um, And there is this guy who's running for the school board in New Jersey who has been exposed for calling for the murder, murders of black people. Let me, matter of fact, I got a few minutes. Let me read this story. Let me read this story. New Jersey school board candidate busted for racist Facebook comments urging Black Lives Matter monkeys to be gunned down. So the FBI should be paying him a visit, visit, right? If we were in a system based on justice, if this was a system that was based on the spirit of the law, all right, in the letter of the law, the only spirit of the law and letter of the law they really adhere to is 13th Amendment slavery. Talking about the U.S. Constitution, 13th Amendment. But this guy, he should have been arrested or at least brought in for questioning. A union carpenter running for the school board in Monroe Township, Gloucester County, New Jersey, is under fire after the New Jersey Globe uncovered racist Facebook posts he made between 2013 and 2016, including calling for shooting Black Lives Matter protesters and sending them to their graves. According to the Philly Voice, Monroe School Board candidate Rick Jankowski complained about BLM protests back in 2015, writing, So now I watch videos of protesters throwing trash cans and any other items at any white person they see. Time to start firing bullets into these effing monkeys and send them to their graves. The comment was not the first time that Jankowski, I I keep confusing him with the kicker for the longtime kicker of the uh, Los Angeles Raiders or the Oakland Raiders or soon to be Las Vegas Raiders. Um, uh, his last name is Janikowski. This man's name is Jankowski. The comment was not the first time that Jankowski slurred African-Americans. In 2014, he wrote about the shooting of unarmed Michael Brown in Ferguson, stating, I'm sorry, but I can't stay quiet any longer. You goddamn animals in Missouri make me sick. Another black criminal gets killed after assaulting a white cop and you pieces of shit want justice. Y'all pardon my language. 
You are not Americans. You are animals who disgust me. You wonder why there is racism in this country. Get a effing job and contribute, you waste, you useless waste of life instead of constantly committing crimes and protesting when you get what you deserve. The Philly Voice noted that Jankowski's comments were posted on an older Facebook account belonging to Jankowski and has since been deleted, and that he had posted on Wednesday on his campaign Facebook account, which was taken down after the Jersey Globe called attention to his past online history. So what, you mean tell me Facebook finally is going to stop coddling white right-wing suspected, and in his case, he is a confirmed racist terrorist, okay? So again, I'm going to close it out by saying, you advocates, you so-called progressives, especially you, Jimmy Dore, you consistently want to advocate for Alex Jones to be able to spew his hate his bio to be able to practice racism, white supremacy, religious bigotry, homophobia, and all the like that Facebook or nobody else should ban him for doing that, even though it's in violation of terms of service. So uh, are you going to advocate for John Kowski? Let me tweet this later at um, um, Jimmy Dore, who I told today you just lost a YouTube subscriber. I enjoy watching his videos. He's a comedian too, but he has a show on YouTube where they delve into these political social issues. He's a quote unquote progressive. But lately since Alex Jones got banned, he's been among those who saying that free speech rights should be absolute. That anybody should be able to say whatever they want to say on these privately held platforms and not be banned for it, okay? I'm not a free speech absolutist. I practice censorship on the Black Talk Radio Network. I have There's nobody that's going to tell me I have to give Alex Jones a voice. But I'm going to send this story to Mr. Jimmy Dore in the thread that, you know, some of his followers have actually liked my tweets telling him if you so concerned about Alex Jones losing his YouTube channel, well, give him a segment on the Jimmy Dore show on your YouTube channel. Or do you ban and censor right-wing lunatics by not giving them a slot or space on your YouTube channel? These are hypocrites, man. But I told them, you lost a subscriber, and I'm no longer going to share your videos uh, with the subscribers of Black Talk Radio Network. I don't care. And he's been right on a lot of issues, but I I had to draw the line. You just keep on advocating for white supremacist propaganda to be disseminated. You are not an ally. You are not a friend. And as Dr. King said, you are the greatest stumbling block to justice. It's not the Ku Klux Klan. It's not Alex Jones. It's not. No, it's the moderates that tell us we must tolerate the hate speech of these people and give them a place in our society. Dr. King's talked about that. So F you, Jimmy Dore. My name is Scotty Reed. 
And I've been broadcasting today from the behind of the enemy lines of USA Inc. where they practice slavery via the 13th Amendment's exception clause and they continue to use racism to support the institution of slavery. That said, peace and blessings to all. I'm out.